Well, that was going pretty well in the scriptures until we got to that last verse that Dick shared. <laughs> in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We don't, um, but, the, but thank goodness, those aren't Dick's words, right? Those are Jesus's words. Keeping faith under pressure. Keeping faith under pressure, I think, is one of the messages that Jesus has to his church. It was the message that the church of Smyrna heard back in Revelation chapter 2 as we continue that journey. But keeping faith under pressure. We don't necessarily want to think about the Christian journey as having intense pressures, sufferings, and persecutions. I mean, don't we have a great hospitality team, friends, that serve you coffee and donuts and allow you to fellowship? Isn't that great week after week? But let me tell you something. That isn't the only thing about following Jesus' fellowship time together. It's losing your life following Jesus. It's, it's more than time on the patio and great church picnics and putting together great photo books whenever you, we can to see those smiling faces. Following Jesus, I think his word to his church at Smyrna, but also to us today, is that it's going to cost something to follow me. Are, are you ready, church? I remember I was dating this girl named Jean <laughs> in college, and the, the second summer of our dating, there became an opportunity to be on summer staff at the, the, the church in Pittsburgh where, where she worshipped um, she lived in Pittsburgh, and I thought, what a great summer job. I get to go serve on summer staff with the youth and hang out with Jean. Well, I didn't know all the ins and outs of, of being in youth ministry. Joy, you can say probably more. But, you know, I, I love middle schoolers, but I was only eight years removed. But being on a, uh, in a bus with 53 middle schoolers from Pittsburgh to Mount Baldy in Michigan, I thought I was going to lose it. <laughs> doing youth skits and eating such things as corned beef hash and then drinking prune juice to make the kids laugh. Guess what? I was up all night after that skit. <laughs> and yet, more seriously, being a follower of Jesus even costs more than serving in youth ministry. And that's what I think we need to focus on this morning. What Christ thinks of his church should be a great question for all of us. What does Jesus think of his church? What did he think of the church in Smyrna? What does he think of Good Shepherd today? We want to know what Jesus thinks of the church, and certainly in the Gospels, we got to hear the teachings of Jesus. We heard just a snippet from John 16 this morning. But there is another resource at our disposal, which tends to be neglected, and that's this book of Revelation, where chapters 2 and 3 
open the doors, unveil, if you will, what Jesus' words to the church are. Let me put up John 16, 33 for us one more time. Let's see the words of Jesus one more time. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. What? I have overcome the world. These are the words of Jesus. The same Jesus who revealed God's word to us in Revelation. I want us to just do a quick snapshot to make sure that we're hearing the words of Jesus. The book of Revelation, friends, are the words of Jesus to the church. They aren't even John's words. John was a faithful servant, was a faithful disciple. But these are the words of Jesus to the church. The first two verses of Revelation 1 say this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He has made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation are whose words? Jesus' words through the angel to John, and John was faithful. Verse 9 of chapter 1 says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatria, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Whose words is John communicating to the churches? Jesus's words. And then finally, Verses 17 and 18 of John 1 says, When I saw him, John saying about Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever and hold the keys of death and Hades. Friends, these are Jesus' words to the church. And again, what Dick read was not Dick's words. They were whose words? Jesus' words. And sometimes we don't want to hear that we're going to have hardship, that we are going to suffer. But Jesus says what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. Is that where you are this morning? No matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's happening in the life of Good Shepherd or any Christian church, can you say we're trusting Jesus because he is faithful? These are the words, friends, of the crucified and risen Christ who has conquered death, who has conquered hell, and cares about his church. There's much here that we'll find in these coming weeks 
about calls to repentance and renewal, much to humble and sometimes make us feel a little guilty, much to warn us of the malice of our enemy, the devil, and much to incite us to persevere. May Christ speak again to his church. May Christ speak once again to each of us. The truth he spoke to these seven churches in Asia centuries ago. And may our ears, may our minds, may our hearts, may the depths of our souls listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So if you want to open your Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 2, we're going to hear a few brief verses of the letter to the church in Smyrna. The letter to the church of Smyrna, Revelation chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. This is God's word to us. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, Right. In other words, to the, to the leadership or to the leader of the church, to the messenger who's teaching the church, write these things. These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Friends, we are being reminded that these are the words of a risen Savior these are the words of a conquering king. These are the words of the risen Lord. Do they have value? Can we trust them? Yes. Verse 9 then says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days or a very short time. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Whomever has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whomever overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Interesting, isn't it, that the church of Smyrna doesn't get a rebuke. The church of Ephesus that Pastor Joy preached on last week got some commendations, right? But then I have this against you. What? You've forgotten your first. You remember. You remember. I want to show you a slide right now from Dr. John Stott. I think he summarizes it well. If the first mark of a true and living church is love, the second is suffering. Again, we don't want to hear that. That's John's words, not mine. The first mark of a true and living church is love. The second is suffering. Goodness. These two words we're learning are connected. The church of Ephesus was reminded not to lose your first love. And if you don't lose your love, though, guess what? You're going to suffer. A willingness to suffer for Christ proves one's true love for him. 
These are hard words, aren't they? These are hard words to understand. And yet Jesus says to those at Smyrna, Jesus says to us here this morning, Jesus says to other Christians who don't have the freedom to gather like we do, may we never take it for granted. Amen? May we never take it for granted. Jesus says to them, and he begins with two words which should just be so powerful to each and every one of us. I no. Say that with me. I know. Jesus is aware. Jesus cares. And he's telling the church at Smyrna, I'm aware of your affliction. I am aware of this crushing pressure that you are under. This unbearable crushing pressure that you're already under for being followers of me, for standing up for me. And guess what? Jesus says it's going to get worse. It was dangerous to be a Christian in Smyrna. Caesar worship was a matter of pride in supporting the emperor and the Roman government in Smyrna. Smyrna was the first to say, we honor, we worship Caesar. They beat out other cities to be able to erect a grand statue of Caesar. And everyone who lived in Smyrna was to bow down and basically say, especially under the Roman emperor Domitian, Caesar is Lord. To refuse would be an act of treason. John's on the island of Patmos because he was accused of treason. The church of Smyrna was under crushing pressure or affliction because they would not say Caesar is Lord. Honor Caesar? Yes. Worship Caesar? No. Respect Caesar? Yes. Declare absolute allegiance to Caesar? No. The followers of Jesus in Smyrna knew that Jesus Christ was Lord and Lord of all and Lord alone. Even someday Caesar would have to bow down to Jesus. Friends, it's important to know that even in the midst of their deep and crushing and piercing affliction, that Jesus was right there in the middle of the churches. If you go back and read John chapter 1, Jesus is walking in the middle of the lampstands. He's walking in the middle of the churches. So when Jesus is delivering his message to the churches, he's right there. He's not some God that's millions of miles away looking down and giving direction or rebuke. Or guidance. He's a God that is incarnational and walking and dwelling in their midst. It is while standing in the middle of the seven lampstands or the seven churches that Jesus dictates to John through his angel the messages that we will encounter and have encountered in the coming weeks. 
Imagine how the disciples in Smyrna felt as they gathered together to read or to hear, probably, the book of Revelation. They heard the first line of the message addressed to them. I know your pressure, says their Lord. Jesus knows what we're experiencing. He knows it because he himself was under it to even a greater degree. And he knows it because he stands and moves among the churches. He's there in the midst of the believers in Smyrna, in the midst of their crushing pressure. And what does he who knows the pressure say to them? Maybe we all wish or know what we wish he had said to them, right? I, I wish he had said something like this. I know your pressure, and I am now going to lift it. My disciples should not have to be subject to difficulty and danger. Be faithful to me. You will be insulated against the pressure of a broken, rebellious, decaying word, world. Did he say that? No. I know your pressure, Jesus said. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Be faithful until death. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Do not be afraid as the pressure now begins to mount and some of you are imprisoned and some of you are killed. Hang on to me. Jesus also knows that they're suffering poverty. They're being ignored as followers of Jesus in their local businesses. Spiritually, physically, and emotionally, they're poor. Being a Christian in poverty in a wealthy city such as Smyrna, Christians were often refused employment and those with trade were often boycotted, yet they were rich in heavenly and spiritual ways, and Jesus is reminding of that. False rumors were being spread throughout the city. They were slandered often by some Jews, not all Jews, but some Jews who were not devout. And Jesus gets pretty tough on that group who were slandering Christians. What does he call them? A synagogue of Satan. Jesus knows. And this would only be the beginning. They'd be tested further. They would be imprisoned. They would face 10 days of tribulation. Jesus exhorts them to be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death. And Jesus says what? I will give you the crown of life. I will give you life and life eternal. The reality is, friends... Just as the disciples, as the followers of Jesus at Smyrna heard, the reality would be that there's going to be a first death. We don't get out of this world alive, right? The first death, a physical death. And then Jesus is more concerned about that second death, spiritual death. Jesus does make a promise, though. Jesus promises those who overcome, who persevere, who trust in him, that they shall not be hurt by the second death. I will give you eternal life. You may lose your life today, but you will be with me forever. Pastor E.V. Hill, who used to serve in and around Los Angeles, said this, 
Those who are born once die twice. Those who are born twice die once. I want to die once. What about you? <laughs> this idea that being born again, being a follower of Jesus, being in his loving care, that even though we die once, that physical death, we're with him forever. And this is hard words, friends. We don't want to go out and suffer and die as soon as we leave this place. But these are Jesus' words, not mine. Did the disciples in Smyrna overcome fear and keep the faith? Yes, I think we, we can say they did because of the seven churches that Jesus addressed, only the church of Smyrna still exists today. Smyrna is now called Izmir in Turkey. Izmir is a vibrant center of the Eastern Orthodox worship and education. Seldom during the last 20 centuries has the pressure lifted for the disciples there, and seldom has its vitality, though, waned. Will Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church stand when the pressure increases? Will you, will I stand as the test gets tougher? The only clue we have is how we are doing in the lesser tests that come our way now. And remember, Jesus says what? I know your pressure, says the Lord. I know your pressure. He knows us. He loves us. He died for us. He's alive for us. Amen? But... I could share with you a little insight as to where to get out of that pressure. Do you want to know that? Do you want to know how to get out of the pressure? Just don't get serious about loving Jesus. Just go with the flow of the culture. Just settle for a comfortable, run-of-the-mill, watered-down kind of discipleship called Christianity light. Just settle for a status quo blessing kind of discipleship, and there will be no pressure there also won't be any passion. I know your pressure, says the one who loves us. In the nature of things, he cannot lift it. Sustain us in it, yes. Use it for his glory, yes. But he cannot and will not lift it. Friends, I've often said that the devil is not dumb. Where there is no passion, where there is no Will to follow Jesus, the devil redirects his focus elsewhere. But where people are focused in on inviting everyone to grow in a Christ-centered life in God's family, friends, there will be what? Pressure. What was the ascended Lord's message to his servants in Smyrna? The church of Smyrna was to be a suffering church. And this letter devoted exclusively to an account of their past and present afflictions, a warning of severe trials to come, and an encouragement to endure. I know your affliction. I will be faithful. I want, again, God's word 
to have the last word before we come to the table this morning. A great reminder that Jesus loves us, that Jesus died for us, that Jesus suffered for us. He cares so much that he bled and he died. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 32 through 36, we hear these words. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had to be better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that God, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Friends, a suffering church is sold out to Jesus. These are Jesus' words to us today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you of your promise of presence. And we thank you that you are faithful in the midst of suffering and trial and crushing pressure. You know and you care. Help us to give thanks for the gift of life that you have given us. Help us give thanks for 60 years of mission and ministry. But help us, Lord Jesus, to realize that suffering is a part of that journey as well. We give you thanks for who you are and what you have done. Speak to us today in a new and powerful way that we may know of your love in a richer and deeper way as we celebrate this sacrament together. And this we pray in your humble and yet powerful name, as God's people say,